We used to get all excited about prophecy when I was younger. I figured I'd always be a prophecy speaker, and everybody would be all excited about prophecy, and we would, uh, um, yeah, it would, it would, it just every year more and more prophecy teachers would get out there, and more and more people would talk about prophecy, but it hasn't really happened that way, and I'm, I'm not sure what why it hasn't, um, and maybe we can. Maybe we can have some of these younger generations kind of uh, take that on, get an excitement for prophecy, because I think they figure about one-third of Scripture is actually uh, prophetic Scripture. And uh, I, I think we, that we, we are missing something in our day um, now that I, I don't know that I got to have when I was younger. When I, when I was younger, we'd sit there. And, Do you still have all those cassette tapes, Dad? You might have some of them, but, you know, cassette tapes, I don't even know if we'd have a cassette player that we could listen to. So, you know, that, that, that might be a little bit of a problem, but we used to listen to all these cassette tapes. There's about, what, 15, 20 of them, different prophetic uh, uh, teachers like, um, who was it, uh, Tim LaHaye, David Hunt, Arno Frozy, and, uh, and maybe a little bit later we had people like Jimmy DeYoung. And, I mean, now I, I'm, I'm trying to think, who would we consider a prophetic teacher in our day now? John Yu. John Yu, yeah, there we go. <laughs> we had, uh, what was the solstice guy's name that I remember going to listen to? What was his first name? Uh, Abner. Abner, there we go. There we go. Abner Stolzis. We used to go listen to Abner Stolzis. Didn't he have like winter meetings where he had it like every week or something like that there? And, and we used to get excited about prophetic teaching. And, and I remember sitting, I can still remember sitting at the PV. TV um, high school at their planetarium, uh, what do you call it, the, those round planetariums, is that what you call them, or um, where do you see the stars? See, uh, Peckway Valley had one there. We went there when I was, I think, maybe eighth grade or something like that there, and it was, what, 1980 or something like that there, and we were talking about, what, was it 1982, when all the planets were supposed to line up, and I, I can still remember sitting there and in, in, in Peckway Valley's planetarium, looking at the stars up in there and thinking how these planets were all going to line up. And we're probably never even going to see 1982, for sure not 2000. I mean, everybody agreed in our day we were never going to see 2000, didn't they? That, that was pretty well. Everybody said that. And here we are. It's 2019, and, and we're still here. So I don't know if, if we're kind of in a, in a in like it says in Second Peter, we're kind of in a mocking stage. I, I don't know, but... I, I kind of feel like that, like those, those people that talked about prophecy all day, all that time, we, they're kind of in a, in a mocking stage of them, that Christ never came. Maybe they made quotes that, that uh, weren't quite appropriate, we made predictions, I don't know, like it probably wasn't right to say the Lord was going to return in 1982, maybe we made some of those predictions that weren't there, but I almost feel like now some of you younger generations don't get to have that teaching that we did. And I think that's kind of too bad because, uh, yeah, John Yu, he, he, likes, he loves talking about prophetic scriptures. I actually love talking about it too, but I don't much anymore. I haven't even done that much research, but I've been having so much fun this last month. I don't really work over the wintertime, so I can get going and start studying, and I just you know, kind of study all day. It's amazing how you can study eight hours. Not, not quite go that long, but you know, I, I, get to, I get to study, and I, I'm, I'm having fun. I was... The other day I was in Ezekiel, and I started reading Ezekiel 30, and I said, well, this is prophetic scripture. This is talking about the thousand-year reign. And so I kept reading 31 and 32. Well, I'm still in the thousand-year reign, and 
33 and 34, what Ezekiel goes to what, 47? How many how many books are there in, in Ezekiel? But I, I, I kind of assume, is it 47? Rachel, do you know? Anyway, it, 57, I don't know, 47. But anyhow, from Ezekiel 30, the whole way to the end of the book, it was talking about the thousand-year reign and about the Jewish nation and all that. I'm like, this is neat stuff. I couldn't believe my eyes were starting to get open, and I started getting tears how all this stuff is really neat in Ezekiel. And then I opened up. I wonder if that's the same thing in Isaiah, because when I have my devotions, Isaiah and Ezekiel are kind of boring. I open up in Isaiah 9, and you know, it talks about our Redeemer coming back then. I mean, it, and then it talks about the, the children will be sitting with the lines. Well, that's, that's a thousand-year reign, too. And then I keep reading in Isaiah, and I almost got through the whole book of Isaiah, I mean, skimming it out, and it's... It's pretty well talking about end-time prophecies the whole way through Isaiah, too. And so it's amazing on how much of our scripture that we just are missing. We're not even studying. And it's talking about end-time prophecies. So I, I, I really um, kind of getting excited about it again this week, studying about it. So what I'd like to do here uh, tonight, I'm going to talk about maybe getting the, the burden back for, for um, getting ready for God's future and when Jesus returns. And then tomorrow night, I'm going to talk about uh, um, replacement theology. And I, I, and I started researching replacement theology and, and how, how the church first, how that way back in Constantine's time and things like that there, where they started replacing replacement theology is when they replaced the, the Israel with the church and how that whole kind of anti-Semitism just kind of grew into our day and into Hitler and all that. So I want to talk about that. And, and how God has a place for Israel. The, the nation of Israel, I'll tell you, young children, if you just want to read good stories, you read about the, the nation of Israel. It is exciting when you read about the nation of Israel. If you can't get excited about reading about the nation of Israel, I don't know what you're going to get excited about, but God has a special plan for the nation of Israel, and, and tomorrow night we're going to talk about that a little bit. And then I got started uh, studying in, in, into some of the, uh, the, um, the feast, and that, that is neat stuff. And what he was, what Daniel was talking about tonight about telling the story, I'll tell you, our Jewish brothers and our Jewish forefathers knew how to tell stories, and they knew how to pass things down from generation to generation. And I don't know, but I'm almost tempted to start having Passover and Pentecost and all those feasts at our house just so I get the privilege of telling the stories. Because when I got started reading about the, about the uh, uh, right here we got Passover, and right here we have the first fruits, and then we have Pentecost, and then, and then we got the feast coming in the future. This is the Feast of Trumpets. And then we got the Tribulation time and, and, and the Second Coming, which is the Feast of Tabernacles in there. I think I'm saying, I'm just I'm kind of remembering. And then we have the thousand-year no, thousand range of Tabernacles. We got the three feasts here at the end and the three in the beginning. But we're going to talk, and I, I got so much stuff for that there. I was going to do that in one night. I'm afraid I have to do that for two nights. But we're going to talk about the feast and how, how these prophetic things have happened already, and this is going to happen in the future here yet, and we, are, we as a church are here in the middle, and this is, I'm, I'm not going to apologize for my views on, on, um, on uh, prophecy here this week, so um, we're in the church age, living right here, and I, you know, I was telling someone, the, Kenny, I think it was in our Bible study the other night, you know, it was almost quarter of 12, 10 of 12, the end times is going to come, the rapture is going to happen any time, and I remember even discussing that, you know, we're like five minutes before the end times, 12 o'clock. It's, it's going to happen, the rapture any time. I think the rapture could happen any time, and, and sooner the better. But I don't know, I, I almost feel like, what time, what time do you use young people in, in, in the time clock? What time, uh, what time would you put um, end time prophecy at? 
11 o'clock, 10, or do you think it's close enough that we're like 10 minutes in, in, in the time clock? You know, we, we were, when I was young, it was like 10 minutes to 12, but God's going to come any time. But I don't hear anybody talking about that. I, I think some of these younger ones, you could vision living another 20, 30 years, couldn't you? Or can't you really? Maybe I'm speaking for you and I shouldn't. But, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know if you just, and, and that's probably my fault. I, my, my children are probably the same. I don't, I don't know if my children have the grasp that God could come tonight. We need to be ready today. And, and you don't hear those sermons as much anymore. You don't hear people prophetically, the uh, prophecy conference where that, that's said. But, you know, I think we're, yeah, right close here. And then I think we're going to be in a seven-year tribulation, which is which the nation of Israel is going to go through a time of testing with Jacob's trouble, especially three and a half years after that abomination of tribulation, which we talked about in Matthew 24. The abomination of desolation. Is it, yeah. And, and, and we, we talked about that in Matthew 24. Jesus, Matthew 24 is mostly speaking about the nation of Israel right in here. So we've got to watch how we apply our last few Sunday's lessons on, on the church on that. And then the second coming, I really think the second coming is when Jesus is going to come down from, from uh, heaven with his church and uh, save the nation of Israel. So that's the rapture is what we're looking for because that can happen any time now when the seven-year tribulation, second coming. And then I believe in a thousand-year reign and, uh, and then the great white throne judgment. You, you younger ones might not, you heard premillennial, all millennials? You probably don't even, a lot of you probably don't even know. I mean, I knew I was a premillennial, I think, since I was five years old. I'm not sure, but, you know, I, that was, my dad ingrained that in me pretty good. But I'm not sure if these younger people even know what premillennial and all millennial is. So I'll give you a, a premillennial thinks that the uh, uh, thinks that the thousand year reign is still to come, when Jesus is going to come and reign on this earth with his nation of Israel, and he's going to make all things right. That's what I. That's kind of what my whole topic is about. Is when God's going to make all things right, and I can't wait because that those things got corrupted, and now God's going to someday Jesus is going to make all things right. So I think the thousand year reign is still to come. Some people think that when when our next thing in, in, in history is going to be kind of right here. It's all of a sudden going to end, right, right to judgment, and thousand-year reign. I don't know. I guess that happened. Well, a thousand, we can kind of spiritualize it. So if you ever hear the things of the people, how they spiritualize it, which a lot of the all-millennials have to do to make these things, we spiritualize the seven-year tribulation. They put that back in here, and we kind of went through the tribulation. The church is going through the tribulation, and that's kind of more the all-millennial belief. But I would say I'm a, I'm, I'm a pre-millennial, so I, I'm looking forward to I'm going to go up to heaven right here. This is where I'm going. You know, if the all millennials want to stay here during the tribulation and suffer for seven years and Jacob's trouble, they can stay back. But I'm, I'm going to heaven right here. And I'm going to have the marriage supper of the land up here in heaven for seven years. And then I'm going to come back with God and, uh, and save the nation of Israel right here at the second coming. So if I'm a little dogmatic, that's fine. But I, I don't know how other way to say it. I mean, I, my dad trained me that way, and that's what I believe. And so I, that's, that's what we're going to teach here, all right? Sorry if you just don't believe in that way. You can challenge me after class. So the last night I would like to kind of talk about what's going to happen in the thousand-year reign and during the tribulation and maybe the great right throne judgment, go through some of that stuff. And maybe some questions that night too. All right? Got some questions on, uh, on uh, end-time prophecy. And I don't have all the answers, not near all of it, but it's, it's fun studying. Um, I, I don't want to do too much speculating this week because I'm afraid if I do too much speculating, I might turn some people off. And I think that's maybe what happened from some of our prophecy teachers before. They speculated too much, and we were looking for these things, and it didn't happen, and we kind of got turned off, and we quit kind of following it. Where's the, uh, any questions? 
get started. I, Are you I, familiar I, with Jonathan Kahn? Yeah. Where's, where's he coming at? Well, Jonathan Kahn's a, is, is he still a rabbi, right? Well, yeah, he would call himself a rabbi. Yeah, well, yeah. Messianic. Messianic. Oh, so yeah, he, he would say he's a Christian, him. right? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Christian. Yeah, he has a book out at Harbinger's and mm -hmm. some of those things, yeah. No, I like that. I mean, I, I, you know, when you get on the Internet, of course, you come, come across Jonathan Kahn and some of those people, and, and he, he's right some places. He's, and then I, now, I, I will say in my last few studies, I had become more Jewish, and I had probably become more Messianic Jewish, in my studies, so you know, I, I, I would, I, you know, since I've done these studies, like I said, I really would enjoy doing the feasts again. You know, if, if we do the reading in here, and I, I'm going to talk about tomorrow night a little bit more, it talks about those are God's feasts. Those are not Jewish feasts. Those are God's feasts. I don't think God ever told us to quit doing the feast. Paul did say that, you know, if we're not going to make a fuss about it. The Gentiles don't want to do the feast. We're not going to do the whole thing. But Paul, Paul and Peter continue to do the feast even after the resurrection. So I, uh, let's, let's get into the next uh, in my in my next night. But yeah, Jonathan Kahn, yeah, interesting man. I, he's he's got, well, got something. Jonathan Kahn and John Hayden these days that are that are really strong. I don't know where yeah. John Hayden comes in. Well, I think John Hayden is the. Uh, I think he's a little bit off the deep end. Maybe watch him a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Kahn's a little bit too. I'm not sure, but uh, he he does have some in it. it it's some amazing that that book on the harbingers and and, and putting some things together is, is pretty amazing. I, I'm I'm not going to try to get into that. And into those type of teachings too much because they, they really put the numbers together and maybe speculate a little bit more than what I'm comfortable with. And so we're, we're going to, I, I want to make an interest towards, especially since I have a lot of younger people, I want to make an interest for you to start studying because I think it's a shame. I, I don't know if any, do, do any of you children know anything about prophecy or any of you studied it at all? You, I, I know, I, I, you know a little bit good. I know your teacher at Faith isn't right on his prophecy teaching, so I, you know, we'll, we'll, don't tell him that like my son did. So, <laughs> but that's all right. That's all right. We don't have to all agree, but but that that's fine. So you're probably not going to get good teaching in, in high school on on prophetic scriptures, but John Hughes is, is on. I like him. He, he's good on it, and hopefully, I'll direct you the right direction here um, this next next week and I mean these next five days. I was going to pray before I started. I didn't start on my notes yet, so let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege of being able to study the prophetic scriptures. And Lord, we're really looking forward to the day when you're going to come back and make everything right. And I pray, Lord, that you would do that sooner than later. And I just, Lord, it seems sometimes my body is just groaning and can't wait till creation is made right and my body is made right. I can see you face to face, Lord. I pray we get excited about that tonight. We'd have a new vision for that happening someday. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, 2 Corinthians 5, 2. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. That's in 2 Corinthians 5. Turn to that. Are we really groaning and longing to meet our heavenly dwelling? <coughs> Who was it? Sam? No. Somebody said in class this morning, Harlan said in class this morning, sometimes we meet each other and we say, I'm just thankful that God gave me another day of life. I guess that's all right. How about, did you ever think about it? Maybe, and maybe this isn't the right thing to say either. I've been tempted after that. He said that I've been tempted today. I'm one step closer to eternity. You know, we, 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 it's all right to want life. I understand that. That's the human. But how many of us are 
take our numbers. Oh, good. God, give me one more day. This is great. One more day. One more. Oh, yeah. God, give me more. One more day to live. Another one. All right. I got through today. Give me another one. But how many of us are really looking for that day when we can go home and get rid of this body that's groaning? Meanwhile, meanwhile, we are groaning, longing what? We're longing. And I don't know if I hear people speak this way too much, but are you really groaning and longing to be clothed to your heavenly dwelling? Lena, I'm sure you are more merry. You, you know, some of you that don't have your husbands and have cancer and have health issues, and I was sitting in the Gideon meeting the other night with uh, the Clay Rosenbachers, you know, sitting right there beside her, and in, in one year's time, she went from being able to walk around to be on, the, on a wheelchair, and, and I mean, she's a frail old, not an old lady, she's what, 65? Not even that old. And she's, she was at the Gideon meeting, and I'm like, wow, she's got to be waiting for that day when she can quit groaning and her body will be made right and everything will be right. And, and I have an excellent, excellent topic this morning on suffering. We do not appreciate, we are not all right with our bodies groaning and suffering and dying, but that is all part of what God made in creation so that we look forward to eternity, right? You know, if everything would be perfect and my body would always never hurt and I would just always make lots of money and I would always do what's right, we wouldn't need eternity. And I don't know if that's what's happening with our next generation. Is it is life too easy for us? Is it too nice here that we're not groaning and looking forward to our heavenly dwelling? You know, I don't, and I admit, I, I don't wake up too many mornings and like, I can't wait to get rid of this wretched man that I am. It's Paul said, where does he say that? In uh, um, Romans one time, I got that on down here somewhere. You know, take me out of this body. And, and I, I think, I think, yeah, we need to, you know, maybe, and, and I, you know, I told Elmer, like I, I'm kind of embarrassed about this here, but it was two weeks ago. I said, Elmer, like, you know, you make me jealous someday times because you're probably closer to eternity than I am. I didn't just real, I didn't realize that he was pronounced with cancer and probably has less than a year to live. But you know, he, that's not really terrible, is it? Someone's <coughs> going to get to be with the Lord with him the next year, and I am kind of jealous of him. His body is going to quit groaning, and he's going to be wrapped in a heavenly dwelling. And you know, we don't like to talk that way. Why not? You know. Maybe I'm kind of morbid. I am kind of. My wife tells me that too. <laughs> Why are we experiencing these groanings and frustrations that it talks about in uh, Romans 8 and tw- 8, 20? It says our body are subjected to frustration. <coughs> our bodies are subjected to frustration. What's that saying? We have, um, Rachel, you, you know what your body is subjected to frustration, right? It, it just doesn't work sometimes, right? Rachel has cancer battled it all. And, and, and sometimes we just feel like these, these bodies get me out of there and, and, and I think we should get that feeling. But I, 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 I wonder, sometimes I wonder why did God <laughs> allow us to give us bodies that are subjected to frustration? Give us bodies that are groaning for a heavenly uh, dwelling. Why didn't he just keep us in... That's why in the chapter before yeah. it says that um, because our outward man prays for Amen. That's how we can renew our inward man, right? Amen. Because 
you know, if, if, if everything would you wrap me outside, we really wouldn't need need God to renew and restore our inside, right? Really, the world the world sees our beauty on how we deal with our difficult times, right? The world can see the difference. Yeah, they don't really watch us when things go perfect, do they? The world watches us when things become difficult. That's when we are at our greatest testimony, and God says that too. So let's go back to Romans, I mean Genesis 3. I'm going to take you back to the, uh, um, the Garden of Eden. And sometimes, and, and, and you watch this thinking, there, there's people that, and, and the thing with the replacement theology is the same thing, that there's people that think that God didn't know what was going to happen when sin came into this earth. You know, he, all of a sudden, man messed up and... Uh, God had to quickly come up with a plan for, for this man that sinned. He had to all of a sudden think of the crucifixion and the resurrection. That, that, that's how I can build myself out of this sin that Satan allowed to creep into this world. No, God knew this stuff before he created man, that man was going to sin and that he would need the cross and that he would need the resurrection, that he would need all this. This, this stuff was planned before when? When was all this planned in God's book? At the foundation of the world. Where's that at, Joseph? It's in uh, Revelation 13.8. Let me read that quickly. <coughs> and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. NIV. Belonging to the land that was slain from the creation of the world. Jesus knew that the land was going to be slain even before he created man. This was his plan. Jesus planned to have the crucifixion and the resurrection. He planned for sin to come in this world. So he already, in fact, it's even interesting if you read here in reading in Genesis chapter 3, where, he's, where the, where the uh, uh, Eve sins there. So the Lord, I'm going to read off in the NIV if that's right with you. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offsprings and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Most of us understand that as the per first prophetic scripture of, of the, uh, the cross. And redemption, right? What was, was, was Eve already given her curse that she was going to die and she needed to be redeemed? These verses in 18 and 19 were given before Jesus even sent them out of the garden. So he already gave them a prophetic scripture how redemption was going to happen before later down in the verse, down in uh, 24, later down in that chapter, he drives man out of the garden. So Jesus already knew that he was going to have a plan to redeem mankind before he even said they were going to die. And so Jesus had this plan of salvation and the cross, the rapture, and all those things was planned even before the foundations of the world. So Jesus did not have to quickly come up with a plan, or God didn't have to come up with a plan um, to take care of man's sin. He allowed sin to come in here. He knew that we were going to, when he put man on this earth, he knew that we were going to get cast out of the garden. 
that we were going to have bodies that groan and, uh, and are going to get frustrated. And as I, as I was thinking of this, and I talked about this here in the, uh, the Faith High School here a little bit the uh, other day, why, why does God, and let's hear your comments, what, why, what's, what's so neat about God's plan that he left sin come into this world? Without sin, there'd be no grace. And love. Amen. Redemption. Redemption, right. What are some other neat things that happen because God allowed sin to come into this, this world? In fact, I, I'm using the wrong loud because I, I got this one quote. And this, I, I got a lot of John Hughes quotes, and I'm not sure if this one is John Hughes quote or not. God doesn't allow things to happen. He is the author of life's plans. So I'm sorry for using the loud. I don't know how you want to do that with sin, though, because um, God knew sin was going to come into this world. Um, well, I'm not sure. Is it really correct to say that God wanted sin to come into it? That God wanted man to be able to make a choice to choose yeah. whether they want to serve him or not. But would he need redemption without sin? I, I, we're not going to debate that all night. Because people then, if they choose to disobey, then the consequence is sin. Yeah. And, and, and I, 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 I've been processing this, and, and maybe, and I, I'm, I'm not, I, I see your point, and I used to probably think more that way, and maybe I should think more that way, but at the same time, what God, what happened in this world is God's perfect plan. He planned it. Satan didn't do any of the planning, did he? Do we give credit, Satan credit for allowing sin to come in this world? He tried to. You know, are we, is, 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 is God planning this earth the best way possible? His story for this world is, is God's way of doing it. And could he stop sin? Could it be prevented sin? I know I'm getting into some theological things, but I, I, I like to think, and I think sometimes we look at this wrong, God planned what happened in this world is a perfect plan. It's not a second best plan because Satan messed it up. <coughs> Am I correct by that? I don't think it was God's will that people sin, but because they sin, God had a plan and already he, set in place. And he knew they were going to. And he knew that this would happen. And he knew he, knew he needed but a redeemer. it wasn't his will. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> I run out of words when we do that. Yeah. But we do know that because of, because of, of sin that came into this world, God needed redemption. Yeah. And that's exactly right. And there's nothing better than that redemption. He, there is no better way of doing this than like this. Nobody could have thought of a better plan than this. Satan tried to wreck it, but God was in control of Satan. What did someone say this morning? God actually created Satan, right? He could destroy Satan right now if he wants to. He could have destroyed him before he tempted Eve. God, did, God, God does not have to keep Satan alive now yet. He, he can, Satan is, doesn't have no power over God whatsoever. God is is going to eliminate Satan and put him away someday, right? He could do that now, right? But he wants to make this perfect plan work first. He's putting Satan right right, right here is when he's putting Satan into hell, right? And he's going to lock him up forever when everything will be made right. But this, 
these things are going to happen yet. So, so I, I, think, I think we need to be okay with our bodies groaning. We need to be okay with our bodies still not really be okay with being a wretched man. But we need to understand that someday God will make all things right. And that's when we either see Jesus at our death or up in here. And actually he's going to have some years up in there. See, God could have made man. He could have made us all. But without giving us free choice. Because since God is love, there's no way that the angels can love God the way a redeemed man right. can love God. Right. And in the same way, God has chosen not to delete a spirit being. He could delete Satan. Just delete him. Don't even put him in hell. Just, just. He would have never had to create him. But the point of it is, I don't know that he can. The law of God is that he, when any man gets created and there's a spirit being, you cannot delete a spirit being. He has a face well, form. Satan, Satan and angels don't have a spirit. So they're no, they're, they're, they're spirit. That's a new thought, Sam. So, so they're a spirit. So he cannot delete thought. them. Okay. It's the law of God. Okay. Otherwise, otherwise, he could get deleted. So he has planned a place for <coughs> Satan and his demons, and that's hell. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, why don't we just make him, make him nothing and put him in, just make him nothing? If he, if he created him out of nothing, why can't he bake him back into nothing? Because he's not finished with his plan that he has, <laughs> that he, he, he prophesied about in Scripture. This is the plan. This is when he's putting Satan in hell. So he's not going to get, he's not going to get rid of him until here. And it, and it, and it's a well, perfect plan. And that's just because he's he's putting him into a place. Yeah. He's not getting rid of him. Right. He's only so confining he's, him into in a, a sense plan. not deleting him. Right. I got to think of that one a little bit more. So I, I, I got I got a few things here that uh, I, I see I'm going to run out of time. I was a little worried I didn't have enough stuff because I had one page, but I'm going to run out of time. Um, God, so that we can experience the fruit of the spirits. Did you ever think about it? And I, I don't know, is, is there any of the fruit of the spirits that we're going to really need in heaven? No. Right. But did, did, did man really know what love was till? He experienced sin. Bill Gothard's definition of love is sacrificing of oneself for the good of others. When in the garden, you didn't need to sacrifice. In heaven, you don't have to sacrifice. You're never going to need patience, right? Because everybody is going to drive 60 miles, 70 miles per hour. Everybody's going to need patience in heaven. We're not going to need hope because we're there by our hope. We're going to have to race around because we got all, all day. Right. <laughs> we got all day. We got eternity, right? But, you know, we really experience we really experience the fruit of the spirits because of sin. And that's really what the world watches. How are we dealing with sin? How are we dealing with our groaning bodies? That's how the fruit of the spirit comes out of us. It's not through our perfection, but it's through, through things not being right in this world. And I think another thing that we, we the blessing of, 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 is the ministry of reconciliation. Can, can, I mean, Daniel said tonight that one of our neatest things in life is purpose. Isn't one of the greatest purpose for me in life is reconciling other people? Making, I mean, I do it all the day. I, I, I spray weeds, so, you know, I'm, I'm, recon, I'm, I'm getting rid of Satan's curse. But, you know, most of our life is dealing with what's wrong, right? Jordan, you teach school because what? 
we're not perfect human beings. We need to be taught, right? So he spends hours and hours teaching school for, you won't need school teachers in heaven. You know, we, we, you look at what your ladies do, you're restoring things, you're washing, you're cleaning the house, you're um, changing diapers, and, and the rest of us, you know, reconciling other people. Someone said one time, 80% of our time on earth is spending restoring other people's lives. 80%. And I don't know what the other 20% is. They were probably just trying to make a point. But, you know, I, sometimes when I get down to South Carolina, which we're going to do here this Saturday, I keep going into prisons, and I'm like, this is crazy. I get back here and help this guy become a Christian. I get back the next year, and he fell back, and I encourage him a little bit and help restore his life again. And, and then I hear he gets out of jail, and he's back in jail again. And this, this is dumb. I'm just, uh, my whole life is just restoring people. And, and you know, I spank my children today. Tomorrow they're doing the same thing. I got to spank them again. You know, this, this, this is getting yeah, old. Probably just, how God cares about you. It, it does. But, you know, that's what our life is. Our life is really about restoring other people. And so, you know, sometimes I get frustrated. You know, sometimes we say, I get so tired of people, I'm just going to go milk cows because, you know, at least cows I don't have to restore, I guess. I don't know. But, um, but you know, I, so in, in a sense, let's make a beauty out of reconciling people. Let's, let's have a beauty out of restoring people's lives. That is, that is something nice. And we're not going to ever restore someone completely to when? Eternity, right? You know, we, we can't ever say, all right, Elmer, I'm going to make a project out of making a year. Really, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to spend a lot of time with you. I'm going to make you really good. And then when I'm done with you, I'm going to move on with Daniel. And then I'm done. No, it don't work that way, does it, right? We are being restored constantly throughout life. Oh, wretched man that I am. And I, I think we need to just realize there's a beauty in that. That's all right. That's okay. When people offend you again and make you mad and and mess up again. I mean, it's not really okay, but it's going to happen. That's, that's what life is about. And, and that, that's, there's the beauty of a ministry of reconciliation, I think, is, is neat. <coughs> Let me quickly run down over these. So that he can someday make everything new. Let's turn to Revelations 21. I, I, I don't know what... I, 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 I'm not going to try to think like God did, but I really think that God can't wait to show the world here in a thousand years. These guys, way back here, and Adam, you know, these guys are struggling, you're groaning, you got all these people, the Muslims, and the people that are trying to show you how to run the world, the Antichrist and all this here, and, and, and God says, someday, I'm going to show you how to run the world perfectly. Right here in a thousand years later. I can't wait till I can make all things new. I'm going to give you a new earth, uh, new heavens, and I'm going to make everything new. Everything is going to be the way it's supposed to be, and God can't wait to show us how to run government and everything rightly. So in Revelations 21, this is talking about the thousand-year reign. The first one I have here is he will spiritually and give us a morally new body. Uh, Romans 7, 23 and 24, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from the body of death? Yeah. Maybe some of these older people get to the point where you don't, you just always help your wife. You always give compliments when you should. You just, I don't know, but probably not. We are wretched people. We are sinners. And I can't wait till I can get out of this body and someday I will be made spiritually and morally new. 
and I will, everything will be made right. I'll just make right decisions every time. I'll give my wife an encouragement. I probably won't have a wife in heaven, I don't know, but I'll encourage her every time I'm supposed to. I mean, that's something to look forward to. It really is. In uh, Revelations uh, 21, verse 2, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for a husband. Can we come back? At, uh, at this time, for the thousand-year reign, we come back here to save the nation of Israel. We're going to come back as a bride, beautifully dressed. We will be morally so if and we go, spiritually. If, if we get perfect. raptured out, yeah, and then we have the, the seven year of peace, at the seven years of, uh, of the, the marriage supper of, of the Lamb. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Yeah. What are we going to do for a thousand years? Where are we going to be? Uh, I don't come, know. Are we going back down and rolling? You do some research, and then and we're going to study that. And I'm going to be married back to my wife again, or what? <laughs> huh? That's a good question. I'm well, not sure what we're going to do. Some people on the earth are going to be married. I mean, so why, huh? How's this going to be? We're gonna, we'll get there. <laughs> but you do some research on there, because I don't know if I have that answer either, Sam. It's a good question, but yeah, yeah. Where, where's the church going to be in a thousand years? In fact, I got that in my thing. I, I got that written in my thing because it was a question I don't really have answers. But I don't know if I'll be able to do enough of studying that I'll have it figured out. So help me out this week. Yes, and then we'll see if the Lord willing to put the church in the thousand-year reign. And maybe some of you have that answer already. But let's go with what I, my notes I got here. The second one, we will have a physically and a bodily will be new. In Philippians 3, 20 to 21, we'll transform our lowly bodies. Romans 8, 23, wait eagerly for the redemption of our bodies. Right, Lena? Rest of us, Mom, our eyes will be perfect. No more cancer. No more redoing hips, no more redoing knees, no more kidney stones, no more worrying about our heart things. Our bodies will be new and everything will be made right. Right? And that's what's going to happen. Do we have to wait till the last evening to know when the new earth will come? The new earth? Well, no, I, I put the new earth right here before the thousand year reign. Let me explain that. God's uh, going to have Satan on the new earth? Well, he's going to come back at the end no, of the thousand year reign. He's going re to release him at, at this point, and he's going to, I don't quite understand all that, but it looks like this is when he's going to release him on this earth for a little bit. And then on he's the new earth? Huh? On the new earth? I know, I, yeah. I don't know if God says it. So I don't know if I have an explanation for that one, Lena. <laughs> Maybe some of you others have a better answer. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to have the answers for everything. You know, sometimes I just believe what's written, right? And just, you know, I, I, yeah. Maybe I, I need to, I, that's some of the things I need to study for in the last night yet. Um, and another thing, the new creation. You know, our, did, did, you, did you ever think about it that creation even groans? Um, in uh, Romans 8, 19 to 22, I'm going to turn to that. I got two minutes. For the creation was subjected to frustration. I, I know your, your King James says creature, but I think this is talking about creation. Let's go to 19. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into a glorious freedom of the children of God. Uh, we could maybe put ourselves in there too, but even creation is looking forward to when everything will be renewed and everything will be right. And 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 how much do our politicians want to pay now to um, 
preserve the earth. And, you know, if you wouldn't believe in eternity with heaven, you would, you know, what's that lady saying? She wants a 20% tax to try to save the earth so that we can keep living in this world for another million years, you know, or something like that. I'm, I'm all right with saving the I'm, I'm all right with taking care of our earth. But, you know, their thinking is, is thinking they'll be here for another million years. Maybe we will. But they, they are thinking on how they can preserve the earth. But no, our creation is groaning. It's getting worse. If we think we're going to make this world so good someday, you know, that's kind of what these, uh, these new environmentalists want to do, which is a big thing now. Again, if we make this earth good enough, we can bring a utopia to this earth. And maybe we can even be the reason for the thousand-year reign when everything's perfect. No, we are not bringing on the thousand-year reign. We are not going to take that good care of our nature, and we're not going to be have politics like Pat Robertson's likes to think a little bit too. You know, if the church gets involved and we make a perfect church age now, we can bring on the thousand-year reign. No, new earth, new heavens right here. Everything's going to be destroyed here, and God's going to give us some new thousand years there. We're not bringing on the thousand-year reign. We're not going to bring that on. The church age ain't going to do that, and neither is our beloved uh, Al Gore and all those either going to preserving the earth. Someday God is going to give us a new creation and it says that right in Romans 8. We can't wait. It's groaning and waiting for it. And number four, a new relationship with God. In Revelations 21 verse 3 and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Are you excited about and in, in, I think later in the chapter it goes about seeing God's face. Are you excited about having that re new relationship with God that you can see his face? Is that exciting to you? If it's not, why not? But that's when everything will be made right and my body will be new and creation will be new. I, 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 mean, I will see God face to face and I can't wait for that. Second um, Corinthians 5, 6, as long as we are at home with the body, we are away from the Lord. Revelations 22, 4. They shall see his face. It's on down that chapter. They shall see his face. And let, let, I, I, need, I need to read there where it talks about the uh, uh, physically. I, I didn't talk about the physically and, and, and the body becoming new, did I? Or did I? Um, we we got to read verse, um, this is verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who sat was seated on the throne said, I am making everything, everything new. And if you can't get excited about when God is going to make everything new, <coughs> I don't know what you're going to get excited about. But there really is nothing on earth that's more exciting than when God will make everything new. So, I, you know, even so come quickly, Lord, even tonight, right? Even tonight, you'd be all ready to go home tonight, wouldn't you? Mary, sure. And I don't know about the rest of these children, but if you're not prepared and watching and not ready for the Lord's return, you need to get your lives right because <coughs> he might come tonight. And he's going to get it. When he does come, I will receive a new body, a new creation. I think that's my time, 35. So, yeah, tomorrow night we're going to talk about... Uh, um, I always, get, I always want to call it liberation theology. It's um, replacement theology about how the people think that the uh, church replaces Israel. And they will have some neat stories about how God is working in the nation of Israel.
and how the church age uh, went through that. All right, let's close and then we'll be dismissed. <coughs>